and welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, Media Editor at Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, Senior Media Editor at Digiday. So Tim, you had the interview today and you spoke with Barad Ramesh, who is the Executive Director of Research and Investment Analytics at Group M. I'm curious how much you got into it with him about how the TV ad industry's measurement standards have really been shifting over the past few weeks, months, years even. Curious if you got into that. Yeah, we, we only got into that. Um, <laughs> we, we went really deep on the measurement space. Um, Rod's a, a great one to be talking to about measurement because, um, you know, he gets really in the weeds with it. And so, and so we do that in the conversation, but hopefully in a way that's like very, you know, conversational and in plain language. But we talk about how over the past year, there's been this huge shift um, with the TV advertising industry where Nielsen's been the dominant and kind of, you know, really the only measurement provider to a large degree, at least when it comes to how advertising deals are done and the measurement used as the basis for those deals. Um, but that's changing now. And the industry is looking to move beyond Nielsen, not necessarily away from Nielsen, um, but for Nielsen to no longer be the only game in town. And so Barad and I talk about where things stand with that shift at the moment. Got it. Got it. And so obviously Group M works with a variety of different kind of clients. Um, did he talk about it all, like how he's working with them to kind of navigate this space or, you know, I guess approach more of a standard, I guess, degree of measurement? Yep. So um, standard degree of measurement is a little trickier. If anything, it feels like um, it's going further and further away from having there being a standard. But mm. he talks about how they're doing a lot of testing with different measurement providers. He you know, mentions iSpot.tv um, and Comscore, as well as Nielsen, because Nielsen has this new measurement product, Nielsen One, that they're going to be rolling out. And so right now they're in a testing phase with that, but their hope is um, to get to the first quarter of next year and start to have conversations with their clients, Group M's clients, about which measurements those clients are going to want to use um, as the currencies on which they transact in next year's upfront. So that's the timeline at the moment. Um, and so they're, they're just doing a lot of the <laughs> complicated work to figure out, okay, which of these you know, measurements are going to work with our planning tools? Um, these measurements have you know, different methodologies. How do we you know, make sure that um, audiences are covered? You know, for example, Broad talks about just like the work being done to make sure that historically underrepresented audiences aren't overlooked um, and are properly accounted for with um, all of these different measurement providers. Got it. Well, it sounds like this is quite the deep dive. I'll let you guys get into it. Thanks, Tim. Cool. Thanks, Caleb. Brad Ramesh, welcome to the Digital Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Brad, I want to talk to you about measurement because measurement is a really exciting thing to be talking about right now. That sounds tongue-in-cheek, but I actually mean it. There's been all this activity, um, and especially heading into this year's upfront, there was so much you know talk and movement or, you know, around advertisers and TV networks adopting alternative measurement providers to Nielsen as currencies. But that seemed to like 
pretty quickly slowed down over the past couple months, um, you know, and this has you know, become more of a test and learn year, which I think like some people were expecting that to be the case all along, but others weren't sure whether um, things were going to move a lot quicker than that. But then a TV network executive I spoke to a few weeks ago said that the measurement shift has really hit a wall in the past like month or two. What's your perspective on where things stand? I don't know if, uh, okay, there's measurement and currency. I presume you're talking measurement for the purposes of trading as a currency, right? Yeah, so, exactly. um, look, there has been a lot of activity in the space. I have a weekly tracker with all the headlines related to measurement. Um, until I think April and May, April and May were very busy between Nielsen's, uh, private equity thing, video amp buying. Uh, you know, somebody, then iSpot getting an investment from Goldman Sachs, Edo getting us you know, money from Shamrock. So there's been a bunch of activity happening uh, in terms of boosting the providers. Uh, but you're right, from the network perspective, uh, the noise that, that existed to get lift off for this movement uh, tamped down because we are all busy with the upfronts now, right? Uh, so I don't know if things have quietened down. They may be quite publicly, but we know internally, and I know speaking for some of our other agency peers, internally, there's a lot of work going on in terms of lining up tests or, or talking to networks about shadowing currencies, or even in the case of another agency, you know, piloting for the upfronts with an alternative currency. So it's just, a, there is work happening, but because everybody's so focused on the upfronts, you're not necessarily seeing the announcements that you tend to see. Right. And that seems indicative of the, the fact that like there's so much work that will need to go into this shift actually happening, which I think like people in your position who have been really in the weeds on this for a long time. I remember talking to a lot of, you know, measurement and, and research people at, you know, both agencies and networks late last year. And they're just like, if people think this is going to be quick, then they have no idea because there's going to be so much involved. And like now that's proving to be pretty prophetic. What's the work that is um, happening right now? Like what's kind of the phase of things in terms of the activity going on? Right. So we are running uh, concurrent streams. Uh, the primary one is to run tests, which Group M is doing across more than a dozen of our largest clients, uh, where we are evaluating iSpot, Comscore, VideoAmp, and even Nielsen's Alpha, um, uh, just to see you know how it's doing. Essentially, we're taking a campaign that's scheduled to run in Q2 and Q3 of this year, and, and we want to be able to capture the campaign with the alternate providers uh, where possible. Uh, we know the results will be different. The, the goal is not to compare and contrast as much as to understand where each of these currencies are in terms of their readiness, right? Uh, which media partners accept who? What's the effort involved in tagging? Uh, we haven't even gotten to the data analysis piece of, you know, are the ad logs correct? Uh, you know, all of that stuff and what impressions, what's the reach? We haven't even gotten to that. That comes with the test. But at this point, we're just putting the currency providers through their paces um, so that we can get it activated. Our goal is to be in a position Q1 of next year where our clients and our client teams are familiar with these alternatives, right? So the decision time for us has always been, and we've been saying this since last November, the next upfronts, 23-24. And we want, to, we want to assess all these currency providers, make sure our client and client teams have first-hand look 
at what's happening, what's real and what's not. Um, and then get to the point early next year where we can make an informed decision. So that's what we are engaged in. It's a lot of work. I can imagine. And that timeline and, you know, doing that testing in Q2 and Q3, I imagine some of that may be you want to do it sooner than later, but also you don't want to be doing this kind of testing in Q4 necessarily. We and may do Q- another, we may do another test in Q4. You know, there are still other providers who we have not evaluated and they're building their capabilities. And each of these providers are also growing in strength. So, I just, we have to see how this test goes and how long it takes to get this done. Uh, and then we can see if he had the stamina to do another one this deep, or do we just do an update in that sense? In an, what's also happening on the other side is we got a tools and investment operations team working with MediaOcean uh, to see how do we integrate the new currencies into the billing system. We have our, our IT teams, our tool teams, also evaluating this currency to see how do we get them into our planning tools and our optimizers. So that's, again, work streams that we've kicked off, uh, which will not come to bear until you know late this year. Okay. And I want to get back to that because it seems like two of the um, kind of holdups at the moment is both, you know, understanding the measurements from the different providers and figuring out like what the discrepancies are, to what extent those discrepancies are discrepancies and to what extent it's just like, well, they, you know, they're going to be different because these are different companies and then the ad tech integrations. But I want to start with, you know, that data, because you mentioned with this testing that you're doing, you're not necessarily looking for these providers, the results to match across the board. And I think that kind of gets to a something of a catch 22 with this whole thing in general, if all the numbers are coming back and like looking the same at Nielsen, then it's kind of like, well, why should anyone move away from Nielsen if the numbers are going to be same at the same time, if all the numbers are meaningfully different, then it becomes hard to know like what the source of truth is. How do you reconcile this? Cause it feels really hard to come out one way or the other. Um, look, I think it's, as part of the evaluation is also speed of reporting and things like that. Um, and, and I think uh, there's definitely work to be done. So we have about 20 parameters we're testing each of them on, and the data is one piece of it. Yeah, we have to see, okay, the results are all different. Now what? <laughs> right? um, uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's part of the learning and to see what can be covered and what's not covered. And how do we see, how do we square it? You know, it's very hard for an agency, and I can only speak for Group M, you know, to customize all our tools to three or four different currencies, right? We're not going to quantify, you know, we're not going to grow resources to that extent. So we want to understand what are the common threads. If everybody is getting data from Visio, uh, and then why is why is the output looking different, right? Uh, and then there two of the providers are matching STB plus ACR. So we want to see, okay, how is what's causing the difference is what we are more interested in uh, when we look at the data. Uh, at this point in time. Do you have a sense yet? I know it's early on, like what are the differences or what's causing the differences at this moment? I, we have a couple of broad areas. One is the source of data you're getting. So if you're just using ACR versus ACR and set-top boxes, and if you're just using ACR, who's your provider of ACR data? Uh, so that causes, that's the first uh, thing to figure out. Second would be how do you m- take the data and model it to represent uh, U.S. You know, because, for instance, Visio TV is skewed towards C and D counties, um, and they're not necessarily, uh, the racial composition is not necessarily representative of the top 25 DMAs and things like that. So we have to see if that's also causing a difference. 
And then we have to figure out how are they deduping impressions, right? How are they? We know the impression count is different. Somebody's one second, somebody's five seconds. Uh, and so all of these are simple parameters we have to figure out. And then we have to see, you know, okay, how we have to under understand each of those to say, okay, your results are different because of this. And your and they're all smart people who've been in the business for some time, especially research side. So they may they may all be right, but they're all right <laughs> in their own way, <laughs> right? Uh, and that's what we have to sift through. We know the parameters that could cause the differences. The data will give the opportunity to dive deep with each of them and understand. Okay, is this is different because of what? Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. And so then is the idea to eventually get to a point where a client can come in, you know, for a campaign and they basically have a menu of here are the five different measurement providers that no, you can be using. No, because the trading currency is going to be one, right, or two. Uh, you, and it wouldn't be done on a campaign basis because, you know, I can't have one campaign on iSpot, another campaign on Niels, and the third campaign on Video App, right? And that, that would just confuse everybody. Uh, and also, what if your currency that you're trading with the media network is Comscore? So then all of a sudden, you're like, I have to reconsider. What we are trying to also solve for parallelly as a Group M solution is to try and come up with a currency converter in some way or form. So it's like, you know, it's like DSPs, and that's my analogy I use. And you can have any DSP you want to use, but the fundamental definition of the impression and the numbers coming through are fairly consistent, even if you use Innovate or, you know, DCM. So we're trying to get to that point uh, and have a standardized um, uh, currency converter, if that's even possible. So we are working through that with Choreograph, which is our data division, uh, to see what can they do to help us with this. Okay, so that currency converter idea, that's really interesting. I, I want to you know, make sure I understand how that would work. And so advertiser you know does deals with different tv networks would it be all of those deals are either are with one measurement provider or they could be with different using different measurement providers no i think we're going to get the reason we can't use one alternate currency across this upfront is because it's not applicable across all the media providers right uh because the networks you know we are only 20 30 percent because networks also need content ratings and they need to manage yield and they need to manage revenue and inventory there's a bunch of things networks need to do that we from the agency side don't have that much sight of and right now they've picked maybe one and that's because that's whom they have done the most integrations and back testing with and i guess they're also going to need this year to expand the repertoire and get confidence with the other providers um, so yeah, no, we would, if it's a client, it's one client, we would expect to use the same currency for that one client across the ecosystem. We wouldn't want to do this, you know, we are doing it now just to learn, right? But that's not the reason we are not using, uh, these alternate currencies in the upfront is exactly because every network has their choice and it doesn't work for our client. Got it. Okay. So then the currency converter, how would that come in? How would that work? We are working through it. We are just trying to figure out, okay, if everybody's using the common set of raw data, how do we come up with a proposition that's consistent uh, across all our advertisers? How do we come up with something that, you know, either you're on a Nielsen standard or you're on this standard that we have. So it, we're still early stages of sketching it out. Uh, but what we don't want is, you know, we are a big tent. We have clients with multiple, you know, and we will win clients from other agencies who may be using another currency, we're talking 18 months from now, right? who may have cost guarantees committed to in pitches with some currency. Um, and when they come in, we need to be able to f- find a way to absorb it and you know normalize it 
to deal to deal with the trading aspects of it. Okay, got it. So the the currency converter would that be something that if you know a client decides three years, five years down the line, eh, I've been with this measurement provider, but I'm thinking about switching to this one. They have some historical baseline to be able yeah. to go off. Yeah, got it. Okay. That seems really, really it's very ambitious, but you know we have to start thinking about it now. <laughs> so right. uh, otherwise, eighteen months from now, uh, what we don't want is inertia to stop us from moving forward, mm-hmm. um, and that's the that's the biggest enemy at this point in time. Right. Yeah, and I mean universal acceptance of you know Group M has put out kind of its requirements on what you're looking for from the measurement providers. Um, there's a whole host of them, but I think there's seven total. One of them is universal acceptance and utilization by all media partners. I know that means TV networks, but media partners, like how broad is that? Are we talking Google, Facebook, Amazon? I'll just stick to premium video as, as, as you want to define it. Though my, my view is a little different. It's a currency that's not just a traditional network-based currency. If you look at our top 10 uh, video partners today, it includes an Amazon, a Roku, and a YouTube um, it, and it, going forward, it may include one or two social platforms. It might include a Meredith with their premium video offering or a Conde with their video offering, right? Because the moment you're saying that the measurement system is going to measure, is going to unify linear and online, right? With CTV in the between, then all of a sudden, my choice set of premium video partners for my TV buy uh, goes from just the networks and, you know, Amazons and Rokus to Conde and Meredith also, Right. Uh, and there's a whole conversation on TikTok, which you need to have at some point. Uh, and Twitter. Right. Um, we need to have a conversation on social platforms, the video formats and things like that there. But essentially, as your definition of premium video expands beyond just a traditional network partners, the currency needs to be scale across all of it. If Roblox becomes very big or metaverse, then we want the currency to be able to capture that, if not today, at least three years, five years from now. Got it. And what... Um pushback maybe would you expect from you know tv networks who may say i don't want youtube to be you know part of this because i don't want them to be able to be compared to us um you know nbc universal in their lookbook they have a line um in the 116 page document where they talk about content quality being a consideration factor and how i read between the lines there is we don't want to be able to be compared like for like with anything on youtube I uh, look, the dollars, consumers have moved, right? The dollars have moved. Now it's just a matter of capturing it in terms of measuring the eyeballs and then putting a value on it. We believe the job of a measurement company is to measure what value I ascribe to that impression. It's a conversation between the client agency and the media owner, right? It may well be that the research company's job is to capture that impression and to tell me that, look, 20% of the eyeballs are going towards gaming, right? Or going to YouTube short form or TikTok, right? That's their job to do. And by the way, the dollar erosion is happening already. So whether you capture it or not, it's happening, right? Then it's up to the agency. And we already did this analysis comparing uh, social video with the streaming uh, player, because when you add in viewability, uh, and soon we'll add attention, you'll suddenly realize that, yes, they've captured it, but I'm not ascribing it to the same value as I am to premium TV content on, say, big TV, right? So the, that's the job of the buyer and the seller to assign value to the impression. But the measurement company's job 
is to capture it. We don't want to be where UK is right now. UK has three panels running, right? One is the BARB panel, which is the traditional broadcaster's panel. Then Google has its own panel because, you know, obviously the broadcasters did not want, you know, uh, YouTube and Google coming in. Then WFA with Project Origin has created a set of standards and there's a third panel. How do you, how do you manage that, right? So we believe research companies' job is to count and count properly. It's up to the buyers and sellers to ascribe value to it, which we are doing fairly consistently right now because otherwise um, the networks wouldn't be, you know, uh, they're still holding on to their share. I mean, majority of our partners are still the networks. It's not like digital has come and, you know, swamped. They have taken money away a little bit, but also grown the part. Right. And if anything, it feels like um, streaming is becoming more TV-like than necessarily digital-like, but that's a whole other Yeah. Thing. And if you ask oh, A&A, if you ask A&A what they want, our clients want to be able to capture, you know, to do reach and frequency across their video buys. Uh, and each client defines video buys differently. <laughs> right? So the value... <laughs> makes so, things so much easier. So if it, if a client interested in brand lift, a traditional CPG, they have a basket of premium video that is very different from someone who's very performance-based, right? But a research job, capture it. Our job, to put a value to it. Got it. Okay. And then, I mean, one part of, you know, what you mentioned as the measurement provider's job is, you know, counting correctly. And that's another requirement you all have of, you know, the providers providing fair and accurate audience representation. How do you go about ensuring that, verifying that? Because, I mean, Nielsen, supposedly, like the panel was supposed to be representative of the U.S. population based on the census. That's borne out to not be true. And, you know, Byron Allen, for one, has been very vocal about Nielsen has not properly counted underrepresented groups. Um, and I think, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think there like is conversation about to what extent any of the other providers are similarly accurately counting historically underrepresented groups. So how do you go about ensuring that there, there is representation among the measurement providers? Sure. So representation has many legs to it. Uh, obviously, the TV measurement system we have today, I call it TV, was set up in the 80s and 90s. It's like it's not built for the U.S. of today, right? Uh, with proliferation of devices, uh, you know, same-sex households, different last names. You know, it's not built for stuff uh, of the U.S. that's today. So essentially, first thing we want to do is to say, I think big data is better. And you can look at Nielsen's own big data, uh, which shows a lift in audiences for minority channels and for Hispanic channels, right? Because big data, you don't have to go through the act of selecting a panel, making sure they're maintained. So the starting point itself with big data tends to be a little bit more inclusive, that's that's our hope. <laughs> uh, uh, so, and that's what the Nielsen big data bears out that you, minority channels are getting a lift. It's harder to recruit those uh, those communities when you know you have to set a panel and maintain it much easier with big data. So, we've got that piece, and we're more hopeful about big data's ability to accurately represent those audiences. We are concerned about broadband only homes. Right. We are, there are about five to seven million Americans who don't have a smart TV or a cable set top box. Right. They tend to be, uh, you know, on the lower economic scale and in rural counties. So we need to make sure they are captured. It still represents five to seven percent of audiences we want to capture. Uh, we also want to make sure that DMAs are accurately represented. 
Um, and again, uh, a 40,000 panel. And if you talk to the local team, the local team will tell you that these panels are very hard. You know, in a market like New York, it's so diverse and so complex. Uh, how do you come up with a panel that represents? So big data allows us to overcome a lot of these limitations. We want to, again, make sure that, you know, if, if, if the data source is skewing towards a particular geographic region or to certain DMAs, right? How is the provider modeling it out uh, or, you know, towards making it more representative, right? Uh, that, that's why we are working with Choreograph because Choreograph has data on all U.S. homes and they come from a data background to say, okay, is this working? Is this not working? Is this more real than not? Uh, and that's how we're checking to make sure that this happens. So it's not just minority communities and over the air homes. It's also representing the DMAs. Right. Uh, so all of that comes in. Yeah, because, I mean, this feels like it kind of tees up this uh, definition of a household dilemma where <laughs> I, mean, I didn't realize there was a question about what the definition of a household is until, like, all of this came to a head late last year. And that was the conversations I would get asked from people I would talk to. Well, how's that company defining a household? And I was kind of like, well, what do you mean for anyone in the audience who's kind of not familiar with this dilemma? Like, why is the definition of a household such a big question? I can only really have it's, it's because, you know, that's the fundamental unit uh, that we use. We, we, there's a whole conversation we need to have in demo assignments and how we decide who's in the household. Right. But but TV homes are the universe against which everything is based. Right? Total population, total U.S. homes, total TV homes. And homes are going to get increasingly more important when you get into addressable advertising. Like in digital today, I'm not necessarily targeting on demos. I'm targeting at households. So so that is the fundamental starting point uh, for anything. And again, 82 percent of households are more than one TV set. So I need to also not just define a household. I need to dedupe. <laughs> I need to make sure the data set, data source I'm getting from ACR is not just from one TV in the household, that it captures multiple TV sets. Uh, I'm not even looking at iPads and phones and all of that stuff coming through. So it's quite important that we all agree on a standard definition of the home uh, or a household. And then we can, that's a starting point to do everything else uh, on to decide what, how many impressions we've got. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, that seems tricky of you want to be able to capture all of the TVs that are in a household, but you don't want that to like broaden so much where if it's an apartment building, you're then associating every unit as being part of the one household. How yeah. does that get sorted? Uh, we are asking our research providers the same question. <laughs> and, and I think Choreograph is helping us with that to answer that question, um, to figure out, you know, how do you, how do you dedupe households? How do you pick up uh, the viewing of TVs in us? in your bedroom uh, versus what's in the main living room, right? What's the co-viewing factor that comes in? So those are all questions uh, that we are asking of our partners. And, you know, part of the exercise is that. Got it. Um, you had mentioned, you know, kind of the integrations of these measurement providers and the planning tools. Is that a pretty straightforward thing to get sorted of we just need to get the tech in place we need to test the pipes and make sure all the you know plugs are you know, plugged appropriately or is there any nuance we, our tools are already integrated with the nielsen and conscore so to that extent it's not something that's new but the fact is it's extra work it's additional work and resources so our teams have a list of work projects they need to get done in you know, it teams uh 
And this is stuff that's coming in sideways, like, holy cow, <laughs> right? Um, and then we have to take the data and then see what it's saying. And, we have, and that'll, that's going to take us a couple of months, uh, you know, once the data is in, the technical piece of it, and then the actual data output and how it flows through. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, as, it's a lot of work. <laughs> as, as we've been saying throughout this conversation, I mean, with all of that, how do you explain? To what extent do you expect there to be alternate currencies meaningfully adopted in next year's upfront? I think it will be. If you're doing all this work and we end up at the starting point again, it's kind of like, uh, but that's okay too, because we have, we will be comparing to Nielsen on Alpha. So, you know, as Nielsen one gets better, maybe that's still the right choice. So we are not closing the door on any of that. And we are in a situation where we do see some, some clients have said they want to move this upfront. Uh, already because their attribution models are built on, say, iSpot, right? Um, our problem is that not all networks accept iSpot. So we go back to the clients and say, not yet, right? Uh, so we do expect to see a shift for sure. Uh, we don't think that um, if 100% of the market is right now, well, it depends on how we define the video market. If you're taking just TV, then that's still 100% Nielsen at this point. That's going to shift. But if you look at digital today, um, not everybody's using uh, uh, Nielsen Dar, right? As everybody, some, most for most people, it's the ad server logs, right? So to that extent, the digital video piece is already not on one standard. Now it's a question of whether are we going to go from the TV to the digital ecosystem with multiple standards? Uh, is that what's going to happen? That's we'll have to wait and see. But we do expect clients to move again. I don't expect. Uh, uh, us to be using one currency with one provider, you know, or with one network, another with another network for, for a particular client. We're going to decide on one currency and stick with it throughout. Got it. And so the clients that are moving quicker, th those that want to do alternative currencies this upfront, are those ones that are already pretty heavy on digital and not as beholden on TV? And so they're using iSpot for attribution because they haven't had to rely on Nielsen for as long? Yeah, they are. They have a lot more data with them and it's much easier to, to figure out impact. So they would, be, they would be the first movers. Okay, which is funny because then there's kind of a, a legacy aspect even there of, you know, some advertisers have decades of, you know, been relying on Nielsen, so that's why they're comfortable sticking there. Others have been reliant on iSpot for a bit. And so they're comfortable moving there because it's not really a move for them. Yeah. But also remember that Nielsen itself is changing. And that's the other point we tell you. Our starting point is that ratings are changing. Uh, whether you're with Nielsen or you want to do something else, even Nielsen itself is changing. Uh, and the ratings you're going to get next year, it may say Nielsen, but the way it's been captured, the way it's been processed, and the way they're reporting it is completely different <laughs> to what you've been getting, to what you're going to get today. That then opens the opportunity to say, if I have to recalibrate my econometric models, they may as well calibrate it with a more you know, future-facing uh, approach. Got it. And speaking of recalibrating those models, I kind of want to end on this, um, the cost of measurement question because that seems to be coming more and more of a focal point right now well if we're going to be supporting multiple measurement providers especially as currencies that's going to get pretty expensive and especially like for the tv networks they're already paying a lot for measurement on the agency holding company side you, you all still pay for measurement not as much but still a good 
uh, amount of money. And that's another requirement in, you know, that Group M put out of, you want the measurement providers to share new commercial models to fund measurement. What do you mean by that? I think it's not just for measurement providers. It's the way the industry right now works is, you know, the sell side uh, picks up 70, 80% of the cost. That's true globally. Uh, and the buy side picks up, the agencies pick up maybe 15, 20%, right? And um, the way most clients pay for the TV measurement cost, Nielsen costs, is that it is uh, the agency has a deal uh, and the agency buys the data and it's rolled into clients' overheads. Clients don't necessarily see what they're paying for measurement and, you know, it is what it is. But as TV goes more digital, right, and in the digital world, clients are used to paying for ad serving, tagging, verification, right? So we see an opportunity uh, to have clients also have pay a certain portion uh, towards measurement and verification. Let's call it measurement and verification. That's what it is, right? Uh, and we see that as an opportunity. And as clients, and it's a pass-through cost, just like it is with ad serving today, right? Holding companies have a deal with, say, DCM. Um, and then that rate gets passed on to clients, a very good rate. They're probably not something they're going to get on their own. Um, um, and it's a transparent line item that they can see, right? What that does is, you know, um, that way the agency doesn't have... See, also, you have to remember that the agency, it's not just the cost of the data. We have to invest in people and tools and systems, right? Instead of giving you a top 10 programs for the week from Nielsen, I now have to give it to you across as a group, across four different providers. That's, that's a simple example of the work that we have to put in. So um, so that model we'll have to work on a client-by-client -client basis, but essentially we are advocating for a pass-through cost from the clients uh, to pay for the service. What that will also do is over a period of time, is, is make sure that uh, the buy side has uh, an equal stake in the measurement system, right? A lot of the change on Nielsen, let's face it, has been driven by the sell side, right? Because they're uh, paying the bulk of Nielsen's bills. Uh, yeah, um, and they use them for more than just ad ratings, right? So there's content ratings and stuff. So we want to be in a position in the future where it's almost like, you know, it's almost becomes a 50-50 split. So the networks don't have to carry all the burden. And advertisers have... A, not just a seat, but a say, so that we can shape the future together and don't end up in a situation like this ever again. If you don't do that, and we continue to replicate the old business model of the past, not only is it inaccurate, because TV is becoming digital, right? Uh, almost like ad serving in a way, a measurement. Uh, but also, we, will, we, need, we need a voice at the table, and marketers need a voice at the table. That's why, if you look at our press release, we had clients quoted. We had clients publicly willing to be named because it's important for them. Right. And so how do you get, I can see, you know, clients getting on board with the idea of, yeah, let's do it 50-50 with the TV networks because then we have more of a say, we have more of that voice at the table. But then when it comes down to, especially if you start itemizing the costs with the pass-through of, well, here's your bill now. I can imagine that's when clients could say, well, eh, I don't know that I want to be paying that much to have a voice. I think table. it's it's exactly the same thing that we look at when you look at ad serving. I think I remember I was working in Asia and even as late as 2014, some of the largest clients were not ad serving because the media inventory was so cheap, but ad serving costs, like, why should I put that money in ad serving? But over a period of time, you realize that ad serving saves you more money in the long run 
because they're able to effectively manage frequency, right? So the biggest problem or the biggest ask that marketers have is give me cross-screen and cross-platform reach and frequency numbers. So paying a little bit, and it's not going to be a lot, at least the back of envelope math that we've done previously, um, will save them a lot more. And it's on us to prove that out, right? Um, and, and that's work to be done. And not all clients will be on board immediately, but that's something we'll do. What's that back envelope cost that you've worked out? I think the way you want to look at it is to see how much money Nielsen makes off its uh, TV business or measurement business and look at the total size of the TV market. You'll get some idea. Okay. Got it. Cause, and then I guess it becomes a question of how much, you know, then do iSpot, Comscore and the lot charge. And what does that do in terms of like, how does that lead the, does the competition lead to all of them kind of lowering their rates in some respect? Cause at the same time, it seems like all of their costs, Nielsen, you know, specifically like their costs are going to be going up because they're having to license data now, whereas, you know, previously they were able to rely largely upon their proprietary panels. And so the costs were kind of fixed. I don't know. I mean, if, Nielsen, if private equity owns Nielsen, maybe it's a very different ball game. The other thing that's happening is that, yes, if you're capturing only the TV part of the, of the buy, the cost may look high. But if you're capturing the video universe, the pots just doubled. And all of a sudden you can go keep your low cost because your addressable market, that's the only reason why they're all being valued at the rates they're being valued at. Because it's not the TV money, it's the it's a video universe. Um, and and then that'll allow you to keep your costs, you know, low. Got it. Okay. So the idea is, yeah, there's a lot of hard work going into all these measurement changes, but uh, eventually that hard work will pay off. It will definitely pay off. Uh, we are learning a lot. Uh, competition is a good thing, even as it's messy as it may seem. Right. Um, but, you know, it helps. Everybody's, you know, uh, everybody's game is up. Um, and I get to be on cool panels and podcasts. So who would have right. thought? <laughs> yeah, and I get to talk about measurement with folks like you. You are pretty good, by the way. I'm like, I'm quite impressed uh, with your knowledge of this topic. Yeah. I try. Well, I, it's, it's folks like you being willing to let me throw a bunch of questions at you and get my own little education as much as I can. So um, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is a great conversation. So thanks so much, Brad. Great. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the Digiday Podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode.